This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. I'm not joking. I kill people. I'm exactly the Jerry type for you. Lately, there are these moments when I feel connected to something else. Would you please stop doing that? Then stop saying stupid things. Talk about your bloodbath. <laughs> Greetings, sociopaths. Welcome to Avenging Angels here on Film Geek Radio. This is our podcast devoted exclusively to the eighth and final season of the Showtime series, Dexter. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my dark passenger, Charlie Nash. Hey, Andrew. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm doing okay. I kind of felt bad about the last person I killed, so I'm coping by, uh, you know, storing lots of cocaine and sleeping people with people that I'll regret in the near future. Okay. <laughs> you know, you really shouldn't regret it, though, Charlie. I mean, she was being kind of annoying. I mean, it did feel good, didn't it? For the most part. Well, it's funny you bring that up, because actually, since you killed your neighbor, my life has been going great. Oh, really? Yeah, everything is perfect. So, somehow, you killing your neighbor just made my life great. Oh, well, I'm I'm glad I could be a good friend. <laughs> Yeah. This is the first official episode of Avenging Angels, not including the introductory episode we released the other day. We are going to be reviewing the season premiere of Season 8 of Dexter. It is an episode entitled A Beautiful Day. It was written by Scott Buck and directed by Keith Gordon. Charlie, why don't you go ahead and give a quick recap of the episode? So, it's been six months since uh, Deb shot LaGuerta. And Dexter is now taking time to connect with Harrison again. He's become uh, the coach of their soccer team. And Deb is kind of going in the opposite route and resorting to drugs, sleeping with people that she's supposed to be interrogating. And basically, whenever Dexter finds her with uh, someone sketchy, she claims that she's undercover. But it's hard to say where her true loyalties are going to lie. And LaGuerta's funeral happens, and they dedicate a bench to her, which <laughs> I almost think is kind of funny. And we also are introduced to a new character played by Charlotte Rampling, who's a psychiatrist, I believe, who has come to aid the investigation in the hunt for this new serial killer who removes chunks of victims' brains from their skulls. So that's going to be interesting. And basically, it is clearly implied that she is aware that Dexter is a serial killer and she could definitely be a possible threat. And it also looks like Deb is going off the deep end in ways that are seeming to be irredeemable. Yes, basically, she is sleeping with the fence she's supposed to bring in, and Dexter tries to let her know that there's a hitman who's going to be coming after him, and then Dexter ends up killing the guy that she was sleeping with, but that hitman is still out there, and he knows something weird's going on. All right, before we start talking about what we thought about this episode, here's a clip. Yeah, what's going on? I'm working with kids. I should get the out. So you found your guy. Why made you talk You know what I'm doing. Talk to Elway. You talked to Elway? He said you hadn't checked in. I was scared something happened. I'm fine. Get the out. Deb, you haven't talked to me in weeks. You haven't returned any of my calls. You completely missed LaGuardia's memorial. Jesus Christ, I wonder why. And would you please erase the messages on your phone? No one is hurt from you. I'm getting close to the so that I can get the jewelry before he finds it, all right? I'm a professional working at case, so I'm just get the out of here before you ruin it. Are you having sex with that guy? My life is none of your business. Do you want to know why I'm not returning your phone calls? Because I don't want to talk to you. And I really don't want to f*** to you. Why? <laughs> Why? Um, because you made me compromise everything about myself that I care about. And I hate you for it. No, you don't. I shot the wrong person in that trailer. 
right, Charlie. Season eight of Dexter, the final season. It is it's it's officially started now. What did you think of this premiere episode? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Are you excited about where this season's headed? I'm definitely excited about where it's headed, but I had a lot of mixed feelings about this premiere, especially when it's compared to the season premiere of last season, in which Deb finds out Dexter's secret of being a serial killer. I definitely think that it's brought us down some interesting directions, but at the same time, I'm not sure that I fully believe all of these choices that these characters are making. The biggest problem I had with it, I guess, is that we fast-forwarded six months in time, and we have no idea how Dexter and Deb got away with killing LaGuerta. They don't even try and explain what happens and what they did to cover it up, and everyone around them is basically just an idiot for not even, you know. Didn't they explain that a little bit? Didn't they show that somewhat at the end of season seven where they kind of made it look like Estrada and LaGuerta had killed each other, then Deb and Dexter went to the New Year's Eve party? Yes, but didn't Deb also leave the New Year's Eve party for like a good chunk of time and wasn't everybody there? Wouldn't they have noticed that Deb left for a good chunk of time, and then by the time that she came back, LaGuerta had been shot. You know, these guys are good at doing their jobs, uh, unless, you know, it involves, you know, a member of their team being involved in any of their crimes, and then they just turn into total morons. I think you should uh, apply for a job working for Miami PD. Well, uh, I'm not the bravest person when it comes to uh, actual uh, blood and gore. <laughs> I can handle it in my uh, <laughs> television shows and my uh, and watching it on, on in movies. But uh, when it comes to uh, actual crime scenes, uh, I'm not sure I'd be best for the job. If I'm not a if not I'm not a cop, and I think that characters are acting a little over the top or a little ridiculous, I I still have to say that I don't by everything that these characters are saying. All right. Um, what did you think of everything else in the episode? I was very entertained. I, I still have mixed feelings on it. I, you know, I find it to be interesting where Deb is going. Once again, painful to watch. You know, it's upsetting to see her go down this route of drugs and alcoholism and sex with strangers and, well, not strangers, the people that she should be really uh, interrogating. I'm still struggling with the with the fact that she shot LaGuerta and whether or not I believe that would be an action her character would take. So it's still hard for me to see her going down this route. I like that she's finally away from Dexter. I like the fact that she stood up for herself. And I like the fact that she talked to him about them being siblings and relying on one another and thinking that she was always reliant on him when it's actually he is reliant on her now and actually always has been. Yeah, um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the Dexter and Deb dynamic uh, later on. I think that'll probably make a good like central topic for this episode. Overall, I thought the premiere was pretty good. I was willing to, to accept the time jump and and just kind of go with the fact that no one in Miami PD suspects any foul play involving LaGuerta's death. I don't know. I like the different elements that they've introduced here that are going to build towards something later on in the season. I like the introduction of Vogel. I like the fact that Batista's back on the force. I like that Deb and Dexter are kind of having a falling out. Let's talk about a few of these smaller elements before we dive into the Deb and Dexter dynamic. I will say my least favorite part of this episode was that opening scene around the bench. Not so much the scene, but I really hate some of the dialogue during that moment. There's a moment where they're gathered around the bench and Batista is talking and he says, quote, when Mike Anderson was killed, I just wanted to get away from all this. It took <laughs> Maria's death to turn me back. It made me want to do nothing but chase bad guys. 
And I was like, really? That yeah. has got to be that has got to be some of the worst exposition <laughs> I've ever heard. They didn't even try to make that sound remotely realistic. It's just him announcing, hey, this is what my character is and what my motivation is. You know, he was married to La Guerta in season four, I think. Was that the one where they got married? Four or five, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I love the line where he says, oh, I don't know where Deb is. I mean, she took it really hard, even though they didn't know each other. They weren't even that close. And he's, like, so emotionless when he says it. I'm like, you were married to this woman, and you're, like, yeah. kind of just you blah about it. Like, I think you would be a little upset. Nobody seemed that upset. To be fair, no one really liked La Guerta most of the time. Perhaps that is why she ultimately only got a bench. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they revealed that, I was like, a bench? Okay? I mean, I not like I was expecting a monument made out of marble in her honor, but like a bench? I don't know. It was a little goofy. <laughs> right. But wait, when did La Guerta... Was she always in her position, or did she get promoted? Um, like, was she the person in charge when they took down the ice truck killer and Sergeant Dokes and all that? Or did she work her way up? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure that she was lieutenant from the beginning because, you know, it also, the first season had to set up the tension that she and Deb had with one another. And La Guerta was Deb's boss. And I think she was lieutenant. If she wasn't lieutenant, she definitely worked her way up there. I was trying to remember because what's a... Who who's the guy who's really in charge of everything? Friend of Dexter's dad. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what his title is. I can't either because he only uh, appears in the show whenever he's relevant. I can't even remember his name at the moment. Was there ever a point where he was sort of running things at the department before Laguerta? Because I was thinking, wait, wait, wait. If Laguerta took down the ice truck killer, she supposedly got the Bay Harbor butcher. You'd think she would get more than just a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally agree with you. But yeah, I I really hated some of the dialogue they gave Batista. And, you know, I, I'm fine with the fact that he's back working for Miami PD. That makes total sense. I was kind of thinking that maybe they would give, they would use the Guerta's death as greater motivation for him, where now he would be the one digging into it he'd be the one that would eventually find out about dexter and and kind of be the one stalking him but if this premiere is any any indication he's just kind of like nope i'm upset about la Guerta enough that i'm gonna join the police department again but not upset that i'm enough that i'm gonna really dig into her death yeah and you know last season too like he got suspicious about the suicide or the the stage suicide that uh isaac set up there was that big scene where deb had to lie to batista to tell him to drop it to protect dexter and you could tell that he was very upset and very irritated and he did drop it overall, but you'd think that, like, I thought they would do something similar with that because they implied early on that he would be that cop who would still be suspicious about stuff like this. But apparently they just decided to drop that, which was, I think, a little lazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they'll bring that back at some point. I'm, I'm hoping they will give Batista some more agency and some kind of follow up on his his suspicions um, that he had in, in previous seasons. Otherwise, he's just another one of the goofy sidekicks. And I've always liked his character. I just wish they would do more with him. Yeah, me too. I've, al I've always liked Batista. I agree. I wish they would do something else with him. Also, apparently, I guess he just dropped that restaurant that was his uh, dream, apparently. I guess. Or did he give it to someone else to run? Yeah, they never really explained that. <laughs> I mean, I liked the idea of Batista running his own restaurant, I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind, oh yeah, the only reason he would give that up is if he's really going to dig into La Guerta's death. But if he's not going to really dig into La Guerta's death, it's kind of like, uh, wh why? Yeah, I just want to ask the writers, where are you going with this? Why don't you take this opportunity to write Batista? Like, you know, Batista's kind of been off to the side the entire show, and so had La Guerta, but I was happy that last season they at least gave La Guerta something to do. I agree with you. I thought they'd 
do the same with Batista this season, and it's only been one episode, so he might be uh, proven wrong, but he still kind of seems like that character who's just oblivious to everything, and it just makes us angry that he doesn't take action or notice clearly suspicious things around him. Right. Speaking of other people on the uh, Miami Police Department, I know there are a lot of critics out there that like to joke that every time a new season of Dexter starts, they're surprised that Quinn is still around, because they always forget Quinn exists. Quinn is still around. He is now sleeping with uh, Jamie Batista. Yep. So they have that little relationship going. I'm not sure how that started or why, but it's happening. They always, like, start a relationship or introduce you to a relationship without any context. They just show two characters in bed, and then they just refer back to, like, they're like, now this is happening. And we're like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's what happened with Batista and LaGuerta. I'm pretty sure that they, like, introduced the fact that they were dating when they, like, get into an elevator and start making out or something. And we're like, oh, they're together now. Okay. Yeah. On the one hand, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, why not? Especially. Especially because I feel like that is going to allow them to use Harrison a lot more in this season. Because if Jamie has a personal life and she's trying to get away to be with Quinn, she's not going to have as much time to spend watching Harrison. Which, as we already saw in this premiere episode, could lead to Dexter having to bring Harrison along in some crazy situations. <laughs> I have a feeling that's probably why they introduced it. You know, like a lot of stuff on Dexter, I'm not sure they really introduced it for character reasons, but they introduced it because they knew we need something in the plot to happen, and this is the best way to, to make that happen. Well, that's definitely an interesting possibility you brought up, because I didn't even think about that. I I have to be honest, and this just makes me sound like a jerk, but I just, I was kind of like, oh, this is happening. I don't really care. I mean, like, I, I just don't like Quinn. I find him to be one of the least interesting characters on the show. His subplots never really add up to much. At least he's back together with someone, and he's not drinking heavily and waking up uh, hungover the next morning and running late to work. I do think, though, that that is a good point you bring up about how now that Jamie is dating Quinn, Dexter will definitely have to take care of Harrison more, and that will definitely add more conflict to the show i don't know that 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 is interesting like what's he gonna do like bring harrison to like a burger king drive-thru and buy him a happy meal or big kids meal or whatever and then just be like okay harrison eat your cheeseburger daddy has to run to the office and then just go kill someone and like dump their body on the boat and then just be like okay i'm back and let's go home and yeah i don't mind quinn as a character i agree with you a lot of the time he's very underused I didn't mind the stuff last season with him and his tripper girlfriend, even though it was kind of cliche, just because it gave him something to do. And and I and I also didn't mind it when he was with Deb, because he, you know, those are two situations in which he actually seemed like a person who was trying, who had goals and was trying to do stuff. A lot of the time, he's just kind of there in the background. At least in this premiere episode, we got no indication that he's going to be doing anything. All we really saw was that, oh, he's with Jamie. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they'll give him something to do later on in the season. But right now, it just seems like he's an excuse for them to put Harrison in Dexter's life more. Mm-hmm. Are there any other people in the uh, police department you want to talk about? I mean, Masuka's still Masuka. They've never really turned Masuka into a character. No, he's just the comic relief. Yeah. The the only real addition to the Miami PD is this new character, Elizabeth Vogel, played by Charlotte Rampling. Is that her name? Yep. Who is a neuropsychiatrist, and I actually think this is a really interesting new character. Oh, yeah, uh, I definitely. Well, it's just one body. How do you know it's a serial killer? Oh, I doubt whether this was his first kill. Those are usually more spontaneous. This was planned ahead of time. A lot of thought went into it. I'm thinking we're looking for someone, at least in their 30s, intelligent, organized, takes great pride in his work. I think he'd enjoy the fact that we're talking about him right now. You think there will be more? I'd be surprised if they're not. Any suspects? Uh, no prints on the gun. It sat in the rain all night. Same story with the body. We're still combing for DNA. 
Okay, let's widen our interviews with friends and co-workers of the victim. We need to find where he intersected with the killer. Masuka, when ballistics comes in. On your desk. Dexter, stay on the DNA. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lieutenant. I hear the FBI calls her the psychopath whisperer. How lucky are we she's on this case? Yeah. How lucky. We're not going to have to go through the thing we've seen before where there's a new character and they gradually start to suspect things about Dexter and then they realize who he is. She already knows that he's a serial killer and she already knows that he has a code so that she, she even knows that Harry basically turned him into what he is. So I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting some more information on how exactly she knows all this stuff and and what she's going to do with this knowledge. On the one hand, she kind of tells Dexter that they have similar backgrounds, so I'm wondering if maybe she's got her own dark passenger. Maybe. On the other hand, she just seems fascinated by psychopaths in general, so I'm wondering if maybe she's just like, she's just going to be like, hey, Dexter, I know who you are, and I want you to talk to me, and I want to know all about you. Yeah, well, I think that's coming. Yeah, and and so so it'll be interesting to me if she doesn't really turn him in, and she kind of lets him keep doing his thing just because she wants to observe him. That's kind of a it's its own dark little idea. I'll let you kill people as long as I get everything I need for my book, and then I don't know. (laughs) Um, But I, I I love Charlotte Rampling as an actress, even when she's in something bad. She is just so entertaining to watch. Remind me, what else has she been in? Because I feel like I've seen her before. I haven't seen a whole lot of her, with her in it, but whenever I have, it's been she's been great. Uh, she was in. Did you see Lars von Trier's film Melancholia? Yes. Yeah, she was um, the mother to Kirsten Dunst, and like everyone's making wonderful toasts, and then she stands up in one scene and goes, "Enjoy it while it lasts." I myself hate marriages, and it's just, like, so, like, <laughs> over-the-top, and just, it's, she's clearly just having a blast playing this horrible person, so I think that even if her character goes off the rails in terms of, like, character development or, you know, wh- wherever they take the plot, I think that she will always give an interesting performance. Well, I'm I'm very excited about her character and eager to, to see what they do with her. I'm not sure she understands Dexter as much as she thinks she does. Mm-hmm. Either she doesn't understand Dexter the way she thinks she does, or the writers don't understand Dexter the way they're supposed to, because <laughs> she tells Dexter, you can't kill me, I don't meet Harry's code. And I'm thinking, but wait, that hasn't always stopped Dexter from killing. No, people. not at all. I think in season two he breaks that code. <laughs> well, what wasn't there a season? Wasn't it like season six or seven when he basically kind of concluded, "I need to make my own code." You know, Harry's code was just the starting point, but it can't cover everything. I need to kind of leave that behind. Yeah, no, he definitely did. And I'm not sure this is a good way to develop Dexter's character either. At one point he says, I don't need my dark passenger. I just want him. Or like something along those lines where he's like, I don't need to kill people. I just like doing it. And to come to that realization made me think, oh, wow, Dexter, you know what? You're an ass. Like, you're a jerk. (laughs) And that just kind of uh, eliminated a big chunk of why I'm now motivated to root for you to get away. That's one thing that you said, that the writers don't understand Dexter at all, is the way they should. I honestly think a big chunk of my problems with this premiere has to do with the way Dexter is written in this episode. I, I like the fact that he wants to get Deb back to trusting him. But I just didn't buy him getting road rage and, you know, going up to a guy who's pulled over and, like, almost choking him to death. Like, it was just a little over the top for me. Like, you cut me off, I think he says, as he's, like, strangling this guy. And Harrison's in the backseat. And then later on, even though, like, Dexter, I assume, doesn't really care that much about LaGuerta, like, Angel uh, stops by with, like, a piece of china or something, you know, that was LaGuerta's. Harrison 
knocks it over, and Dexter has that cliche moment of like, what did you do? And it just cuts to Harrison with his big teary eyes, and I'm just like, I I get what they're trying to do, I'm just not sure I totally buy it. I actually liked how they how they developed Dexter in this premiere. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later when we talk about his dynamic with Deb. But getting back to this idea of Harry's code, that's one of those things the writers throughout the seasons have played with, but never... It always seems like they're afraid to stick with it. They'll play with this idea of, oh, Dexter's going to have his own code now, and then suddenly they'll backtrack, like, oh no, for some reason I'm going to keep to Harry's code again. And throughout the entire series, he's been having visions of Harry, who's, who, who's, who's telling him what to do. And I always thought that was interesting, but they've never really clarified in a compelling way what that is exactly. Like, on the one hand, Harry is his moral code that is keeping him from killing innocent people and only killing quote-unquote bad guys. On the other hand, Harry is the person that basically turned him into who he is and kind of said, I know what you are, so I'm going to help develop this in the way I want, which is very twisted. Like, I believe in season six, they had framed it as like, the ice truck killer was the dark side of Dexter's dark passenger, and then Harry was, like, the lighter good side of his dark passenger. Yeah. But but even then, later on, they dropped that entirely, and it's kind of like, well, make up your mind. Is, is, is Harry, does Dexter view him as good? Does he view him as a bad part of his life who ultimately screwed him up? Make up your mind. Which... Is it? And they can never really seem to decide who Harry is to Dexter and what exactly Harry's code means to Dexter. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I have to be honest. He's been, whenever he's, uh, he just appears in Dexter's head and we see him having conversations with Harry, it's just driving me nuts now because in this episode in particular, like, he has a big argument with Deb and Deb basically says everything that needs to be said, like, uh, I shot the wrong person in the garage that night. And then it just cuts to, Harry and him saying, like, she doesn't want to talk to you, Dexter. And I'm like, well, yeah, we just saw this whole conversation, Harry. Like, you're just, you're just, you know, spoon feeding us stuff that we already know. I feel like Harry, the way they use Harry is kind of a lazy decision on the writer's part because it's basically telling and not showing. And I just end up rolling my eyes whenever he comes on screen now because it's just so corny. I I feel like I'm being so negative right now (laughs) about this show and I don't want people to think that I'm not entertained by this show. I'm still on board. I want it to go in different places. I guess that now that it's the final season and we've seen moments of greatness in last season, I maybe I put my expectations up to such a high standard that I'm just being overly critical at this point. Well, again, I, I think it just goes back to the fact that they, they've drugged the show out for too long, you know, ideally the show would have been five or six seasons and that would have been it. And I, be- I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was around season five or six when Dexter was kind of starting to question, what is Harry's code? What did he make me? This vision I keep seeing of him, is this good or is this actually my dark passenger itself manipulating me? I mean, that was the perfect time to start bringing that up, because if that was where they were kind of going to start to end the show, because at that point it was like, well, yeah, Dexter, you need to, to come to some sort of epiphany about your code and about who Harry was to you, and, you know, was he as good of a father figure as you remember? But then it kind of seemed like they realized, oh, we're actually not going to start to wrap things up here so then they backtracked and and kind of ignored it and as a result now it's just very uneven and very unclear how exactly we should feel about harry's code and 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 harry at this point i don't even care about harry's code i just think dexter has dug himself into a hole that's so deep that he deserves what's coming to him I'm just to a point where I'm kind of over Harry's code. I just kind of want something to happen. Like, I just feel like Harry's code has been molded and twisted and bent in so many directions. 
It's always the writers just trying to say, how would Dexter manipulate himself into believing that Harry would have justified his actions and how it would fit into his code in some way. We also have to remember that Dexter is imagining Harry, that Harry is dead, that this is Dexter's projection of what Harry would think he would want him to do. So it's also, the writers could also say, well, Dexter's manipulating himself by creating this imaginary perception of Harry in order to justify it. So it might not all be Harry's code to begin with. Either way, I think that it's one of the weaker parts of the show in terms of, uh, the screenwriting aspect of it, and I hope that they're able to use Harry in some way that they haven't done before, because at this point, he's just like the little angel that pops up on a shoulder and just goes, Dexter, like, this is wrong. I think he was a stronger element of the show earlier on, and especially when they did actually start to question it at times. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember that there were a few episodes where they kind of implied this vision that that Dexter manifests of Harry. Harry actually is his dark passenger. Yeah. Which was very interesting because it basically caused Dexter to sort of rethink his entire relationship with Harry. It's like, well, maybe Harry was actually the evil thing. Yes, all this time I've thought that he helped me channel my urges into something quote-unquote better, but maybe... All he did was just help me develop those urges when they could have been stopped. Yeah, Deb mentions that too, that, well, Dad should have brought you to rehab or stopped you, not turn you into a monster. And that was an interesting aspect too. Right. But again, they they will bring that up and then they will kind of never stick with it or, or never clarify. And that's the problem with Dexter. Like, Dexter is really great when it's letting these themes and these ideas and these characters drive the action. And it just really starts to feel convoluted when they switch over and suddenly it's like, oh, we're going to manipulate these characters and what they believe and how they view certain things in order to fit certain plot beats. Yeah. And that's, I think, why, as a series, Dexter is pretty uneven at times. Do you want to talk about Dexter and Deb and that dynamic yet, or since that's going to be kind of like our main topic? Sure. I think that their scenes together are were the strongest parts of this premiere, and I've always thought that Dexter's scenes with Deb are usually the strongest uh, scenes of the show, because... Both Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter always give fantastic performances as these characters, and the writing is usually really sharp and spot on with these two. Okay, well then let's let's talk about that. Yeah, then. Um, and let's just dive into our main topic. You mentioned earlier that you didn't like how they were developing Dexter in this premiere episode. I actually liked it quite a bit because. It seems like they're starting to embrace, once again, that idea of Dexter as a bad guy and Dexter as a monster. I mean, the opening scene from when he's perfectly happy, he's coaching Harrison's soccer team, his life is great after he manipulated his sister into shooting La Guerta. I mean, that right there tells you everything you need to know about this guy. To a certain extent, he still is the same cold, unfeeling monster he was in season one. Very selfish. His life is great. He doesn't even really know what Deb is up to. So he, he immediately comes across as very unsympathetic. And then when you realize what has been going on with Deb, it's just magnified even more. You know, she's going through this total tailspin while he is perfectly happy and his life seems to be great. I, I do agree with you on that. I do think that's interesting. And I think that is where both characters would be based on how they've been developed in previous seasons. Yeah, and I, I actually like how at times in this episode, he did sort of go crazy and he was on the breaking point and he did almost strangle a guy in his car and he did lash out at Harrison because you're starting to see that Deb is right. And without her in his life, he is kind of lost and destined to go off the deep end. You can sort of feel that. And I like how they've also developed Deb. I think it would be easy 
for them to just say, okay, Deb feels guilty, she's gone off the deep end, and she doesn't really realize what bad shape she's in, I think it adds a much more interesting element when you realize Deb knows what she's doing. She knows she's become this coked-out, slutty person who's going to sleep with all of her fences. She's left the police department. She knows that her life has totally gone to hell. Has she left the police department? Yes. Okay. That right there is another sign from the very beginning that Dexter and she are in very two different places. Dexter's saying that his life is great, but his sister, who has wanted nothing but to be a detective her whole life, has left the Miami PD. That's a major problem. Yeah, she's left, and now she's working for this private firm where they have to... I, I didn't fully understand. It's like they investigate stolen goods and then they return jewelry and then they get a cut or something. Yeah, that was a little murky because it's just proven I didn't even know that she left. Like, I thought she was... When she said she was undercover, I thought that meant that she was undercover for the Miami PD. No, no, and th- th- that's why Dexter goes to her new office and talks to her new boss or whatever, who was oh, also... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, who also apparently used to work at Miami PD in robbery. And he says, yeah, I, I hired Deb as soon as she quit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, I like how Deb basically fully acknowledges my life is hell right now, but I kind of want that because that's what I deserve. Yeah, I definitely um, find where they're taking Deb to be more interesting than where they're... It's not even that I... I like that they've set it up like that. I think it's awesome that Deb is in her own personal hell and that Dexter is able to go on with his life as if nothing ever happened because that's the way it's been for years. I guess I just didn't fully... I wasn't convinced by the execution of some of his scenes of going crazy. I've just seen that scene where a kid knocks something over and the parent yells at them, and then it just cuts to the kid about to cry. I've just seen that done so many times before. It kind of took me out of the moment. I just didn't think that the writing or the way it was shot was that well, done that well. And the you-cut-me-off thing, maybe I'm just being overly cynical. I thought it was unintentionally funny, because I, I, I don't know. Like I'm not like expecting Dexter not to lose it. I guess that I just think that these scenes were kind of silly in their own way. Maybe that's just me being a jerk, but... It's funny you say that because Dexter always has kind of had this weird element of dark comedy Mm -hmm. to it. Like, hey, here's this serial killer getting mad over this really, really tiny thing. Yeah. So uh, that may have been what they were going for. It, It worked for me overall, though, just because Dexter has to go through a really quick arc in this premiere episode, and I think they pulled it off fairly well. He has to go from being, from from feeling like he's fully content, fully in control, to suddenly realizing this is not where I want to be at all. Yeah. And I like how they do that first by having him realize that Deb's not okay, and doesn't want to see him. It's not that just she's avoiding him. She like she just does. She w- wants him out of her life. Which, again, in, in terms of his character, not only does that separate him from the one constant in his life, but it also forces him to deal with some form of guilt. Mm-hmm. Like what I have done has ruined her life, and it is now coming back on me. Yeah. So it's forcing him to deal with who he is. And when you add the new Elizabeth Vogel character on top of that, someone who knows all of his secrets and could quite easily bring it all crashing down around him, I can buy that he would just start to unwind and be prone to outbursts. You know what? You you make a more convincing argument than the episode itself, I honestly think, okay. because while I was watching it last night, I was just like, I'm not buying this at all. But your defense of these scenes definitely makes me appreciate what the writers are going for a lot more now. I mean, I mean maybe it's possible their execution was lacking. Yeah, that's but, just where I felt that the problem lied. But in terms of what I think they're trying to do, overall, it, it works for me. I, I definitely still on board. I'm looking forward to next week. I care more about Deb than I do about Dexter at this point, I have to be honest. And 
I hope that they raise the stakes in some way about Dexter getting caught. I know that they've introduced Charlotte Rampling's character, but I don't think that she's the person that's going to... I don't think she seems like a character that's a threat to turn him in at this point, because at least from the little teaser trailer that I got. Well, okay. Well, I haven't, I haven't seen the teaser trailer. Oh, so. okay. Good. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. Don't spoil anything to me. I, I always avoid the little teasers at the end of the episode because Dexter tends to spoil stuff. Yeah. In their teasers. I will just say when it comes to her character, I am assuming, I mean, clearly she wants something. Otherwise yeah. she, she would have already turned him in. It'll be interesting to see what that is. I think thematically what makes the most sense and what will be the most satisfying is for Deb to eventually confront him or to eventually make the decision to turn him in. Yeah. Because that really is the core conflict of the show and or at least of this season. Speaking of, of Deb, we, we, we talked about in the intro episode, she's been a very tragic character the entire series. And she has been at places like this before in her life. You know, there's a moment when Dexter is telling her, you need to get out of here. There's a hitman coming. He could kill you. And she basically kind of says, so what? Yeah. Like, if if I die, it doesn't matter. And she's been self-loathing and borderline suicidal at other points throughout the series. Yes. Usually after she's lost a man in her life or something like that. Yeah. So it makes sense that she would return to that point now that she's lost the main constant man in her life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and she's sunk lower than she's sunk ever before, so... Right, right. Now she's got all these drugs and, and she's kind of crafting her own judgment. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, a really interesting dynamic. It's not just... I'm going to turn to drugs and all this stuff because it makes me feel better. It's I'm going to turn to this because that's how I judge myself and that's what I think I deserve. Yeah. There is a really un almost unintentionally funny shot, though, where she snorts cocaine and then inhales a cigarette and then chugs a beer. And that, that, that was just like, okay, I know exactly where she is now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just want to say Jennifer Carpenter knocked it out of the park. This oh, episode. yeah, she always does. And yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you because I think if she was not as good as she is right now, I'd have a harder time believing that Deb is going through all of these changes. But even when Jennifer Carpenter has to say some stupid or ridiculous things, she always manages to convince me that this character is going through something really serious, even if it is just so over the top and ludicrous as the show can get. Right. I mean, there's moments in this episode where she's got to act frustrated and betrayed and angry, but at the same time, she's got to be kind of shaky because she's high on cocaine. Yeah. And she's like crying at the same time. And she's just like pouring all of these little different things into her performance. And I'm not sure how she's juggling it all. It's actually yeah. <laughs> really impressive. It is really impressive because, you know, her character can go crazy, just like every other character on the show has their moments where it stretches credibility. But out of all the characters, including Dexter, I by her the most, and I care about her the most. I think one other thing, and I was reading the AV Club's review of uh, the episode last night, is that they said, it's hard to root for any of these characters apart from Deb anymore, because Dexter's a terrible person, and everyone else kind of isn't really a character anymore. They just kind of go in whatever direction the script forces them to go in, and Deb is really the only character that is worth uh, sympathizing with at this point. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you. In a weird way, she's the moral center now of the show. Absolutely, yeah. Because she's doing all of these quote-unquote immoral or, or wrong things because it's coming out of her own moral code and her judgment of herself. Yeah. So even when she goes completely off the deep end, she always has good intentions for it. Yes, I absolutely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so so yeah, she she really is the moral center of the show and I just I love how Jennifer Carpenter is refusing to play at one note. It's never just I'm going to play this scene crying or I'm going to play this scene angry. It's I'm just going to combine all this stuff and all these emotions into, into my scene. And you can never quite tell what exactly she's feeling 
because she's feeling so many things. Yeah, the scenes where she confronted Dexter in this episode were more chilling to me than the crime scene where they cut open the guy's skull and see that, like, chunks of his brain are missing, because she's just so good. I feel like a lot of people also, we did mention this last time, but I feel like a lot of people just pass off Deb as this one-note, obnoxious, loud, abrasive character, and Jennifer Carpenter's subtleties really deserve to be appreciated more, especially in this episode, because whenever she was on screen, I was absolutely riveted throughout. She's kind of like Jesse in Breaking Bad right now. In the last couple seasons of Breaking Bad, Walter's dragged Jesse into his life of crime, and Walter feels no guilt about it, and Jesse has had a very similar... Uh, she's going down a very similar path that Jesse's going, uh, gone down before, where they just have sex with random people, and have parties with lots of drugs, and they drink, and they don't care what happens to them. I think it's interesting, too, how once this season of Texter's over, Breaking Bad will begin, and uh, both shows are in their final season, and it's kind of funny how uh, many parallels there are to these two uh, hit series. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. All I'll say, I guess, just to conclude, is that I like how, at least in this first episode... They've really set up, Deb is the moral center, she's the good guy, Dexter's the bad guy. If you rooted for him before, you were wrong. <laughs> he's a monster, look at all he's doing, don't cheer for him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good that they've come down that strongly on it. It seems like they know where they want to take these characters in, in that respect. They're not very wishy-washy about, oh, should they be sympathetic or not? anymore. So yeah, I liked the premiere episode, and I'm eager to see what comes next. I'm still kind of mixed on the premiere episode, but it definitely held my attention, and uh, I'm still hooked on this show, still rooting for it, and uh, I think that it has set up a lot that could go in interesting directions in terms of the plot, so definitely, definitely want, uh, looking forward to next week's episode. All right, Charlie, for the, the final segment of the show, I just want to kind of do something fun and uh, introduce a little segment called Who Would You Kill? <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask you if you could kill anyone in real life. Who would it be? I have so many on my list. I'm just going to ask you if you had to pick a single character on the show to get killed off now, who would it be? The character that I want to kill off is technically already dead. Um, <laughs> I, I would just take Harry off of the show at this point. I mean, his scenes with Dexter just make me cringe. I do think that he was interesting in the beginning, and now I just find him to be unnecessarily spelling things out for us in a heavy-handed fashion. I just feel like the writers think I'm stupid. But if I were to kill off a character that is actually alive... Uh, I have to go with Quinn. <laughs> I, <laughs> as I've stated before, I just don't find his subplots compelling. I don't really care how his relationship with Jamie goes, as long as it affects Dexter and his relationship with Harrison and, uh, morally and complicating the time that he has to kill people in order to, uh, raise the stakes of the show. I just never found Quinn to be a very interesting character. I, just found him to be kind of bland and just a very stereotypical uh, portrayal of what someone would expect out of a buff male cop who sleeps with hot women and goes out and drinks a lot of beer and, you know, is tough. And, you know, I, I, I maybe I'm just being over the top at this point, but I just never found him to be that compelling. I would kill Angel Batista. Aw, I like Angel. <laughs> oh, I like him, but I'm sorry. After that horrible scene at the bench, you deserve to die for that exposition there. Well, Angel. the writers deserve to die. I don't think the character deserves to die. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you had to kill a character based on how annoying he was in this episode, I would kill Angel for, yeah. I just wanted to get away from all this. It took Maria's death to turn me back. It made me want to do nothing but chase bad guys. Yeah, that was pretty dreadful. I'm not going to argue with that. I agree with you. I think that they wrote some 
absolutely atrocious dialogue for Batista. I hope that they end up making use of him in some way and putting him back in the action. I liked him last season quite a bit until he basically disappeared when I had to go set up his restaurant or whatever. I mean, if if, if, if we're only going by this episode, I'd say kill Batista or kill Harrison for being really irritating. You don't get out of a <laughs> you don't get out of a car in a strange neighborhood that at night. <laughs> when your when your parents aren't around, yeah, what an idiot! <laughs> <laughs> um, if they did kill Harrison, that would make the show very interesting because that could have a whole new effect on Dexter. At the same time, I don't know how they'd kill Harrison. What if in the finale, the final scene is Harrison stabbing Dexter to death? <laughs> <laughs> Like he's he's he was traumatized by Rita's death, and now he's a killer, and he's gonna kill his father. I'd I'd be cool with that. And then like yeah, and then Angel and like the rest of the Miami police force just shows up, and they are all surrounds Harrison and yeah, and then uh, put their his hands up, and then they realize, oh wait, Harrison just took out the Bay Harbor butcher. They hire Harrison. He's a detective <laughs> now. He's the youngest detective they've ever hired. We do a spinoff <laughs> show about Harrison, the uh, the, the toddler policeman. I think it'd be great. Like that terrible Burt Reynolds movie that's infamous <laughs> for uh, Roger Ebert being, like, the only one who liked it, Cop and a Half. Uh, <laughs> and then in the credits, they can have, like, a montage with photographs of, like, the Miami Police Department going around with Harrison. And, uh, <laughs> oh my god, what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> if you're listening, Showtime, you know that sounds great. I mean, Showtime's gonna need a new show to replace Dexter once it's off the air, so why not Harrison, child detective? I'd be up for it. I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of Avenging Angels. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week when we'll be talking about episode two of this season of Dexter. Don't forget, you can email us at avengingangels at filmgeekradio.com. You should also be able to subscribe to the show any day now on iTunes. We're just waiting for iTunes to accept the feed. So it'll be up and running shortly. Be sure to subscribe. Leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. We appreciate all the feedback. Don't forget to tune in to other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix and The Thin Place. Charlie, where can people find more of you and your work? Um, you can find my articles that I write for your magazine Emerson at issue.com slash your magazine Emerson. That's issue I-S-S-U-U instead of U-E. And you can find me at Twitter at CTNash91. You can find my writing at Film Geek Radio and MovieMezzanine.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode of Avenging Angels. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Charlie Nash. And go out and murder some people. Or don't. Your choice. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!